In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. I hope everybody's having a beautiful day or a beautiful evening or a beautiful lunch, wherever you are. I have two incredible guests with me today to talk about some fascinating topics. First, we have up in the top right corner, our friend Hawk, a master of diverse realms, author, martial artist, hunter, and philosopher. With 39 years of therapeutic mastery and amongst insight, he presents sound therapy, a dynamic fusion of life coaching, music, and profound healing. Down below, we have the incredible Dr. Pauline Crawford, an international keynote speaker and transformational guide with a global footprint spanning three continents, UK, Europe, Malaysia, Asia, and North America. She leverages rich experiences to fuel her passion for fostering innovative thinking, specializing in empower female entrepreneurial leaders, colleagues, and consumers. Dr. Pauline reframes crucial conversations with a profound transformational approach. Both individuals are incredible human beings, and I'm so thankful that you're both spending some time with here on the True Life Podcast. Thank you for being here today. Pauline, how are you today? I'm really good. Thank you, George, and thank you. Uh, this is an amazing uh, trio, and um, I'm delighted to be here. I'm sitting in the corner of my daughter's house trying to keep quiet. I've got a very large dog next to me, so this is unusual. Usually I'm in Las Vegas, but I am British, so I'm in my homeland this week, um, and it's extraordinarily cold, and I know that, you know, we've got different temperatures here, but it's, um, yes, it's it's really delightful to be here. I'm only just awake, so I hope that I'm functioning. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine. We have our friend Hawk up here. He's driving. He is a uh, up in Oslo. Are you up in Oslo right now? Hawk? No, cl close to Fredrikstad okay. ah. uh, in Restfall. And, and I'm, I'm also, I also got a huge dog uh, sitting next to me. I got my, my Malinois strapped uh, next to me in the, the passenger seat. <laughs> what sort of dog do you have, Pauline? Um, 
To be honest, I'm not sure. I think it's a very large Labrador. I'm, I have a dog back in Las Vegas. My husband's still back there, and it's a very small dog. So okay. <laughs> she's, but the, what the good thing about this dog is she doesn't bark. And she's, she's quite young, I think, probably four years old. And she's sitting on the sofa next to me. So. Okay. Fantastic. Well, we, got, we have a couple of really interesting topics to talk about today. But I thought we'd start off with the paper that you wrote, uh, Dr. Pauline, about women in a confused world. I thought that I think both Hawk and I really appreciated that article. And I was just curious if maybe you could fill in a little bit of the background for people who may not have read the link below, but maybe you could give us a little summary of it and some of your thoughts on it. I will do, George. Thank you. Um, I study how men and women are beautifully unique and different. And that's really the starting point. And we we probably all know those listening in us here that um, there's a lot of confusion about what is a woman. Now, being a woman myself, <laughs> I do know what that is. And for a start, it's not to do, the way I look at it, it's not to do with sexual preferences or uh, gender transition or whatever. It's who am I as a human being? I know that you'll appreciate this. Uh, that, But, uh, you know, I am a woman. I know I was born a woman. I happen to be heterosexual. I happen to be a baby boomer. I happen to be a Gemini. You know, what are all the things that we label ourselves with? I'm a mother and a grandmother. And I'm a businesswoman. I have lots and lots and lots of labels. Um, but I have studied that if we actually understand, value, and maximize who we are as unique men and women, we are the creators of the world. I mean, literally and figuratively, you know, together we create babies, <laughs> together we create lots of things. And of course, men together do, and they're and, and not being prescriptive about it, only being men and women. But what really happened for me when I started that article was uh, there was a accession to the Supreme Court in America of a very intelligent, beautiful black lady, um, Jackson, her name is, and she was asked, you know, what is it? What, what is a woman? And he failed to answer because she said, I'm not a biologist. And I thought, that's really confusing. <laughs> I mean, why not honor the fact that he is actually the first black woman on the Supreme Court and say, you know, I'm a fantastic human being? So actually, by creating this confusion, and we know there's a lot of confusion around the world. We are not focusing on the pernicious issues where a lot of women are marginalized, discriminated, abused. And and I sort of think it's not about only women. Uh, my work is all about men and women. And actually, I know both of you agree that it's about being human. So when somebody denies who they are biologically and, and personally, I think that adds to the confusion. We do know that there are 3.9 billion women in the world and 2.2 billion of those are mothers. So we're half of the world. And for her to kind of confuse things as such a, an important role, I had to write the article. So my passion is for people to really be okay about who they are. That's fundamental. And I, my passion is to create authentic harmony in the world. So we need men and women. And also to create a joint custody world, because as much as we'd like to deny it, um, men do have done, uh, create the world and do run the world generally. Um, you might um, disagree with me in certain areas. And I think there's a lot of change going on. But really, authentic harmony is my passion. 
Um, I must be saying the right words because this dog is trying to get into the sea here. <laughs> the, and, and she is a she. That's what I'd like to put that in. <laughs> so the, my article is quite long, but I wanted to get into some of the fundamentals. Could my... I'd like to talk to you about why do we get confused about certain subjects and we argue about them without going down to the core base of being a living, breathing human being. And that for me is fundamental. And then being curious um, and inquisitive about, oh, so, you know, share with me who you are. Let's discover our differences, discover what makes us unique and different. So my passion is not just equality, it's being equal and different, being beautiful and magnificent, and really exploring the idea that we could actually love each other rather than hate. There you go. I love it. Hawk, you, you read the article. What did you think? Oh, I, I totally loved it. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I see the world and the confusion you speak of, Pauline. It's, it's so... I mean, be, being uh, I've been a child welfare worker since 2008, and I worked in social work since 1983. And and what what strikes me about the the condition of uh, of youngsters is confusion. You know, it used to be back in the old days, you you were born, and and if you were were a male, you joined the profession of your father. Uh, if you were female, you you became a mother and, and that was your, your mission. And now it's like, okay, you have all the opportunities of the world. You can even choose what you identify as. So I, I saw a video yesterday about somebody and he spoke about, I identify as a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah. And, but, but, but it, I think it's, 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 a, it's a very difficult path to thread for young the young people because mm -hmm. nothing is is fixed anymore and and i especially find it interesting exactly the question that that you rose uh, pauline you know uh, what is a woman uh, I, I i'm a monk now i've been a monk for four years uh and and that is an interesting life a celibate monk but i've, I've been married for 25 years uh, and I know what a woman is. I can I can tell by the feel, by the energy, by her voice, and and the fact that <laughs> this uh, high court black woman couldn't say that I'm a woman because I am one, and 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 I recognize that in other. I recognize womanhood. The mother and, and all, all the potential that lies within that role. I think it's it's a bit scary, actually, to me. To me, you know, see, seeing how, for instance, academics uh, in Norway, we we had a lot of gender debate, uh, and the academics have been very restricted. Uh, oh, there are like nine genders, or whatever it is now, currently, I'm not quite sure. Still, it all comes down to, you know, that there are 
people who are capable of being mothers who have an XY chromosome, and there are others who are not capable of being mothers who have an XX. And it's, it's <laughs> but, but it also it's. I'm. You know, we're going to talk about. You talk about harmony, and harmony is created by being a musician. That's that's part of what what I do. Work a lot with. You know, you have a foundational. You have the the key of the music, and and then you. Every in, instrument enters, and either enhances the harmony. Or it diminishes it, and you can use both. But if it everything is filled with disharmony, and it's not much of a pleasant music to, to listen to, it it doesn't really, at least to me, uh, I'm not a fan of a twelve tone and all that. Uh, it, it it sort of removes from from the experience yeah uh, but I, I just I just love the article because it was so reinforcing for, for what what I think because because having three kids and having seen what what they've gone through in in our modern world where uh, a lot of stuff is defined by social media and uh, you have to follow the, the trends and everything instead of Often, in my opinion, following your heart. Uh, that, that, yeah. It's interesting. Let me let me pose this question to both of you. It seems to me that we, that the majority of people believe in like, in, what is the term I'm looking for? In biological essentialism. Like, if you're born with this, then you're a man. If you're born with this, then you're a woman. But what does that mean about complexity? Is it possible that the world in which we're moving to is more complex? Like there's more nuances involved. And the old ways, like the binary way of thinking, hasn't really enabled us to move forward in a life that's harmonious. Like we're moving in to a new paradigm. And thus, language is changing. And language is, in fact, a mirror of the human. Like everything is changing. It's fluid. So why wouldn't our language change, and why wouldn't the roles of genders change with that language? What do you think, Pauline? Well, it's a very interesting question, and what I, the thought that came up when I was listening to you, Hawk, and thank you for your words, is why why are we so finding identifying ourselves so difficult? Um, what do we actually <laughs> see in the mirror? <laughs> you know, I mean, um, I spent uh, part of my life I changed from being uh, at home and not being an entrepreneur. And I came into business through being an image consultant. Now, there you actually take people into the mirror and you look at actually their color and their shape, how does clothes work? And what I realized there was a deeper psychology there. It wasn't just the clothes and colors you wore, but it was how you felt about it inside. Mm. And I think that's the deep paradigm we need to shift in the world. It's like, we, we don't need to teach the young kids what to think. We need to allow them to think for themselves. Mm. Now, you might say that would then gender all these different identities, being a unicorn or whatever. Um, I think common sense is something we're lacking here. <laughs> you know, have you got two legs, two arms? Have you got a heart? 
do you have hair on your head or not? You know, very basic, simple stuff. We've got so complex. Um, we can call ourselves anything. I can change my name if I want to. Um, but to force other people to believe that I'm a unicorn instead of a woman. And I think what's <laughs> happened is we've got so strongly polarized by sexual preferences in the gender dysphoria that we said, oh, well, that must be a separate identification. When I look at it, we're not all the same as women. We're not all the same as men. And helping to understand our reactive behaviors is what I've studied in my work on gender dynamics intelligence. Is Can we be intelligent about the impact we have with somebody else? So anything you choose to be has an impact on the people. So if you choose to be a unicorn, then um, I suspect you should have four legs. That's <laughs> difficult, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not being foolish, but we can be, I say, as a woman, I can be, I can be homosexual, I can be heterosexual, I can be bi, whatever I want to be. I say to people, well, who are you being at this moment of time with me? Are you being kind? Are you being loud? Are you being um, funny? You know, I mean, all of those things. We seem to miss the point of being basic, breathing human beings. Uh, and as you say, you know, um, you're, you two are not going to create. Uh, well, you can create babies, but you can't deliver them. Mm. So there's, and as far as I know, that happens in every continent of the world. So you have to ask, you know, that's really interesting. So when I designed my map, if I get anybody who says, oh, I'm not on your map, I say, but you're breathing. So I suspect you're somewhere. And and it's, I think we've become so, as you say, complex in the world. Mm. We've created all sorts of problems. And I agree that the young kids, are confused because they also have a, a mobile which leads them to all sorts of information, TikTok, God knows what. And we don't actually know what is coming down the line to them. I, I'm very grateful that I was born <laughs> a long time ago and I didn't have those things because it was much simpler. But when I was a, a girl, I saw a girl, but when I was a young girl and I was a tomboy and climbing trees, I really had, even then, the challenge about the very... A feminine feminine woman because that's not who I am I'm a much more masculine minded woman and I call myself a magician and my sister is a sovereign but as I've learned to get to know these different characteristics it's so empowering in the world to come together to make simplicity out of complexity so if, if I always say to people look if, if you're in a difficult situation you are being difficult it's not the other person you ask an audience of 100, how many of you are difficult? And you'll get a couple of hands go up. If you say, how many of you know a difficult person? Every single hand will go up. <laughs> you know, so the challenge is to honor a difficult situation, saying, how are we different in order to understand each other? And this comes back to Hawk, what you said about harmony. So the violins are not the same as the, as the, the, uh, percussion they're not the same as the the woodwind you know they all these instruments come together so we need this difference diversity whatever we want to call it and so i found that when i talk about harmony men in particular respond much better than if you talk about equality i don't mm. know whether you found that <laughs> yeah you know what what whenever i think of equality I think of diversity, like what's the difference between 
equality and diversity. If I have 10 cups and I fill them up with different levels of water, are those cups equal or are they diverse? Well, you see, I, I think that equality has caused us a lot of problems. And I say right. that from a female point of view, because now I we're fighting. Say inequality, I'm sorry. I, I messed up on my no, part right there. Inequality and diversity are kind of the same thing. That's what I was getting at. Sorry. Well, I think they, they're part of, of the whole complexity because if things are very diverse, then it's a definition of what is equal. They're equal. They have an equal right to be there. But they're not equal. Um, if you take it, um, animals, you know, a, a horse is a horse is equal to a dog. They both got four legs. They both run around. They're both animals. But I wouldn't say they're equal because they do different things. So I think we've got, and as Hawk said, you know, it's all about words. Right. Um, and, and the misunderstanding of words. And that's why I create magical conversations. And this is very simply conversations without judgment. So if we all say equal, we probably all have a different version of equal, depending on where we are and what the situation is. So if I have two things that are exactly the same, then they're equal. But if I have, a, say, a violin and a piano, they both make music, but I wouldn't say they're equal. They may be equal tempered. It's mm -hmm. uh, part, part of harmony. Uh, I, I, I think it's, it, it's very fascinating what you're talking about because I, I think that the complexity has always been there. Yeah. But, but, but now we, we started to, to, to change the paradigm uh, and, and we, we place labels on something and, and the labels become more important than the actual experience of being there. It, it, it's like we, we to, to, to use another example, to step away from, from gender, uh, but uh, you have the, the various diagnoses uh, of uh, psychiatry, uh, and you say that uh, I'm AD, I have ADHD, so that defines me, this is me, or I'm schizophrenic, or I'm bipolar, or neurotic, or whatever you, you, you have. You let the, the words define it instead of finding your place within, I'm, I'm a human being and sometimes I am a bit distracted. And some people yes. call it ADHD and it's, but, but that I don't, I'm, I don't, I am not ADHD, I'm a human being who's distracted. And to me, that there's a huge difference having worked with, with people with various labels. There's a huge difference if you step into the diagnosis fully and you say that, oh, I can't do this because I have bipolar. So, so that you let it limit you instead of saying, okay, there, there's something I need to work on. Uh, I, I need to, to, how can I up my focus, for instance? How can I learn how to focus in when, when there's something that's, that bores me, uh, having <laughs> gone to school and, and quite a few years of schooling, a lot of it bored me to death. And, and then, okay, I need to see well, what, where should I focus? Should, yeah. I'd, I'd like to pick up on that for a major. The, yeah. the challenge, 
people go on about, oh, we mustn't have labels. But I would say a label is very useful, you know, or a sign. You know, if that says go right and it's a good idea to go right, then I follow the sign. Or I go to a supermarket and everything's got labels so I can just say, oh, that's a, this kind of soup or that kind of soup. So labels are useful. I think labels are limiting when we limit them. It all comes down to the human equation. You know, if, if I decide that people who drive Volvos are X, Y, and Z, that's sort of labeling them. And we know that we've, we've done that, but we also have shortcuts in that, oh, yes, that's a, a policeman and he's got a uniform, so I need to go and ask him something. So I think that we have to be challenged by our own curiosity. You know, if we don't know what a word means or we want to find more, then explore it and don't use labels as controls or damaging. Um, use labels as useful. Um, I'm dyslexic, so uh, you know I can never remember whether it's ADHD or a a a a. Well, I get all the numbers, <laughs> all the letters. <laughs> but you know, if I think that something's going wrong with me and I want to have a directive. Um, and just going back to the, the gender dysphoria, I think I, I get very upset mm. about labeling kids pre-puberty as something mm. that they're not, and then surgically changing their body. This is extremely oh, dangerous yeah. practice. Yeah. And it destroys it things. It, that, 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 that part's good, sorry. Actually, we have to have conversations without judgment and say, I don't understand that. Could you, could you show me your perspective? Because your perspective on a word, a simple word like collaboration, may be different to mine. Unless I explore it, and I might come up with a decision that, oh, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I don't really agree with your view, but I honour your perspective. And that's, that's where I work with clients about understanding that difference and diversity is, is the beauty of nature. You look at nature, you know, all flowers are not the same. <laughs> and I think we've, we've lost touch with, we've got so, if you like, um, academically intelligent and then mm -hmm. um, we become socially predatory and, and, and so much hate in the world, we've forgotten what is simple there. And I think the thing is that, you know, I, I was recently with a friend of mine who's got cancer, you know, then it turns up, you have to deal with what turns up. Mm. Where, if you say, well, I don't know where it came from, I must have been terrible in my life, and that's why I got it, then you're on a hiding to nothing, as opposed to accepting that something's going on in your body. And, uh, and I think people have lost touch with who they are on a very simple level. And to honour and love ourselves is the core point. Mm. And not be judged by other people for who we are. And to be kind and loving and harmonious. I think it's, it's a very important point that you raised. Uh, uh, we, we do know something about the human condition. We know that uh, your your brain isn't done developing uh, before you're like 25. Uh, and and we, we have we have said that there are, there are ages of maturation or that you, you, you can Decide for yourself whether you want to, to be a part of war, for instance, be a soldier. Once you're 18, then, then you can do that. But we allow kids who are before puberty to make a decision that, okay, I feel like a different gender than, than the sex I was born with. 
and and I want to start a process where where you use extremely dangerous drugs. Uh, you use go in and do stuff with the body that's major have major percussion repercussions, and 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 that that is okay. And and I'm I'm thinking what what if one of my kids has said um, they they are all my my youngest daughter is twenty, uh, but if if they had said okay I I feel like I'm a different gender okay let's explore that. If they had said at the age of well before puberty seven eight I want to change my sex I was said okay this is something we have to talk about and think about. And I'm sorry, I don't. I'm not sure if I would have accepted, because I remember the, the being confused myself when when I was a, a young kid. I was, I mean, I, I, I've always been into girls, but I've been thinking, okay, I've heard about homosexuality. Is this something that could also be in me? And and we gotta accept that it's. There is a lot of confusion that comes with growing up, but allowing I I I, I am really 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 scared because also because I've I'm, had seen people who have gone through the, such a change and and then they have said oh I really shouldn't have done that mm-hmm. and and that what you're left with is is someone who's severely traumatized. Uh, who who uh, can't have children, uh, and and it's probably will be also because of this being such such a huge it has such a huge impact on, on the body with the the hormone blockers and everything. They they probably will die quite a bit earlier than than uh, otherwise, and I think that's. We, we really need to talk about it, but you're not allowed to talk about it because that is not politically correct in our climate. You get to like J.K. Rowling's uh, who are ostracized and attacked for for saying what she feels. I think that's that's rather scary, it's in my opinion. Do, do either of you think that maybe some of this confusion in the youth or just confusion in society comes from a lack of community? It seems to me like there's been a, 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 a an absence of rites of passage and rituals and, you know, in community in some way. Do you think that, that might play a part in it? Or do you think there's some other things that may play a part in it as well? I, I think it, I think it is. I mean, it, you know, you look at the major changes in the world. I was born 1949. So, you know, just after the World War Two, and the, the telephone was attached to the wall, and oh, I remember the TV yeah. turning up. So you know, and I don't want to go backwards. I, I, you know, we we have advanced to where we are, but I think valuing history and learning from it, not living in the past, right. uh, being in the present. You know, I use mobile. I use a, I use technology. I I use ChatGPT. You know, I'm pretty. Uh, excited about all these changes but we've got access to a huge amount of information without any um understanding you know as a parent i mean going back to your point or you know being a bigger a, t- a teenager puberty is very confusing uh, and then you know every, everything is 
a challenge. But if we look at challenges as a great opportunity, then I think we can explore it and have those conversations. So I do think we need to change education systems drastically. Uh, and also parenting is to help parents to understand, um, I don't mean how to be a part parent, but have conversations about parenting. I, you know, first time I had my, my son, I got son and daughter. It's, it's never how everybody else tells you, it's your own experience. But I think in the kind of indigenous tribes and communities of, of ancient times, there was much more conversation. So we have got a lot of people in the world. We have to cope with that. And I think communities, be they local or national, are not having the conversations they could have about love, kindness, compassion. And it really comes down to that. Everybody's here for a purpose. How do we embrace everybody with harmony? And it, it takes time. And I, I, I'm not, and again, I, I don't want to be um, seen as a feminist or anything, but men have created the current world and the system is fairly um, straight lined and women do everything in a circle. So my, my, my passion is to get men and women together talking and say about a joint custody world. If you could start again, how would you create the world? There's a good question. Mm. How would you start it, Hawk? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I, 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 I think, <laughs> what I would do. I, I want to go back to your question yeah. first, sure. because I think it's it's a very important question. It used to be we had our community within the the small circles. Our what uh, Yuri Bonfenben spoke about is the, the micro system, um, and 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 now we have extended our circles. So the important, mm. uh, you, you, you get um, your inspiration from outside of our parents or, or next of kin, everything. And, and, and because it seems that there's a disconnect with the, we, because we don't talk. We, we are on our cell phones. We are inside Instagram or TikTok or ChatGPT or whatnot. And, and, and people, especially youngsters, they, they resonate, they find that, okay, this, this is something that works for me. This is where I can find my, my group, my peers. Uh, and, and, and we have moved away from, from the, the, the small communities. And I think that that, that is a danger. Uh, because it might seem very tempting when, when you get into one of those uh, external communities, whether it's it's like uh, a gender or it's having worked with people with, with uh, drug uh, abusive issues or drug abuse. Uh, I've seen that a lot of them, they, they find a community, I think, that this is where I belong. This is where I can find friendship and and uh, love and, and companionship. And and then they, they suddenly they get hit with the truth. They they are not interested in me because they want to be with me. They want my money and they want me to to buy the, their drugs or they want to to use me in some way. And and I think it's, it's it's so important to to have the close close communities. Your mother and father, your sisters and brothers, 
all of those are so important. So, but to, to, to get to your, your second question, or to Colleen's question, how can we start a new world? I see that we, we are, us men have done a lot of bad stuff. Toxic masculinity is definitely has been a, a huge issue in our world. No doubt about it. When, when I see the patriarchal systems where men get to lead because they are men instead of because they are the most capable of leading, mm. I, I truly have a huge problem with that. But I've also seen, coming from a background of social work, I've seen the opposite. What happens if there is it's very female-dominated? Then, then you get the, the negativity of, of what I see from, from you women, with, where instead of telling somebody, okay, I think you are a horrible, horrible person, and get lost, and, and really going into that side, you get the backbiting, you can get all the, the gossiping, which is... I'm not saying it's a female phenomenon because also men do use those, but it, it, it seems to be more and more, more natural rather than having, for many women at least, to, to have, rather than to have a direct confrontation, you, you talk about them and you try to put them down and all of that. Those, yeah. So, so I think what we need is gender balance. We need to see that and, and uh, that's something I see in here in Norway. We we have um, we are pretty good at uh, having gender balance. Uh, you know, we had the female prime minister. We, we had a lot of uh, we have laws that regulate. For instance, if you're in uh, if you have a, a publicly what's it called a publicly. Um, uh, Trade company? Yeah, capability <laughs> trade company. Then you have to have 40% or the board must be female. There's a law yeah. regarding that. And, and we, we do have a lot of other stuff that we, we are very focused on, on seeing that we need both. Um, and I, I think that we have come a long way, but I, I do know that there are so many cultures, so many countries where you are put down because you're a woman. So we need to start seeing the uniqueness of, of each and, and to see that, okay, this man might be the best one to be the head of the company, but the actual brain should be her. So they need to work together. So, okay, let's, let's say that we have uh, two CEOs instead of one. We have the, the one who, who likes to be up on stage and then we have the smarter one who likes to, to make plans, long-term plans, and who, who knows how to, to get, get the missions through. So, so think unity through duality, is, is my point. That, I think that would be a good start to, to get a, a better world. It seems like it seems like a structural problem to me. Like when I look at the multinational corporations, they're based on profit. Profit comes through competition, and competition comes through power. And when we look at power dynamics, I mean, if you any child growing up sees their fa any child lucky enough to have two parents sees their father as 
as someone who is physically stronger. And I don't know how you you get that out of a child's life. Like a, the man is physically stronger in life. And if you grew up in a family, you're probably go, in a good family. You're probably going to see your father as a strong person. That's conditioned into you. I don't know how you get that away or if you want to get that away. But I think that leads to long-term power dynamics. What do you think, Pauline? Well, it, the interesting thing about power and um, – yeah, my book is called The Power of Authentic Harmony. I love it. And that's deliberate because, you know, um, you think about the power grid, you you plug something in the wall and you know that it's going to work because the electricity power grid makes it work. So it's an acceptable system. And if we could put the power of authentic harmony into the world, heart to heart, then we could actually employ all of these energies and we are all energy so i think that we've turned power into control and control into corruption and greed and mm. this idea that we've got to fix everybody i'm always saying to people don't fix everybody you can help them don't say you know and there are different characteristics that i study in my archetypes you know mm. we have different ways of fixing people actually we don't need to fix anybody we need to help them understand how they can do it themselves. This is the conversation of collaboration over com severe competition. I don't think we can take a competitive edge out of things, but it's how viciously we do it. So it's, one thing we haven't talked about is values mm. and, and the, the values of, of how we exist as men and women, as old and young. You know, I'm not the same as a six-year-old woman or my 13-year-old granddaughter, or my daughter who's 30, 44, I'm 74. So we, we have different levels in our generations about what we can do. So I think we have to have to explore this idea of power and strong and strength. Um, it's like I did an article about tough versus tender. You know, it's a good idea to be tough, and it's a good idea to be tender, and it's situational. So I might need to be tough in a certain situation, but not be aggressive. I don't think we understand our behavioral, um, reactive behavioral essence. We don't teach this at school. You know, what we do is we teach knowledge at school instead of valuing experience. Uh, we have a, a PhD of, in our university in Malaysia who runs the most amazing school because she allows the, the, the kids to have 55 minutes of every hour lesson. Now, they, the, t the teacher stroke coach, because they're not told, called teachers, sets the scene. And then the kids get very animated. And obviously, she's helping the 55 minutes be explorative. But these kids, by the time they're 10, they're ready to learn knowledge. Whereas we start right at the beginning shoving knowledge into kids, and then they worry that they're not intelligent because they can't do their times tables, because they're just not <laughs> adapted to that. I was terrible at languages, um, but I was very good at mathematics. But I thought I was stupid because I couldn't speak French as well as my sister could. And that's from the education system. So I think it's, for me, it's about changing the structure of the system. Mm -hmm. And I recognize that in Norway, you know, you have a, a really good culture which heads towards balance and equity and all of those things we desire. Whereas some nations are still built on a very rigid male system. And, you know, the countries in Africa that I deal with have 
very strong gender-based violence record. That's a cultural norm we need to change. So changing the cultural norm of the whole world with regards to the balance of men and women is is the essence of what I'm passionate about, is harmony and unity and synergy doesn't mean we're all the same. No. I want to really honor the uniqueness of humanity. Thank God. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Uh, it's, uh, so, so, so agree. It's, it's, um, it's, it's strange that, because I, I've seen this in, in the Norwegian uh, education system, that it, it's not, there's not a focus on teaching kids how to think critically and lear to learn how to learn. Mm. It's, it's so much so focused on uh, this curriculum. Uh, for instance, now it's, everything is about STEM, uh, and uh, arts, I have, I have a friend Neville Gaunt who, who talks about you gotta gotta get the A into STEM. You gotta get STEAM because mm -hmm. we need the arts as well. Because and, yes. and that is recognizing that we we are all unique. There there are kids who are like I was horrible at math. I was excellent at languages and and uh, history and understanding systems and stuff but math that was like my trip tonight but but we, uh, we we need to see that children have different strengths and abilities and use the strengths to build their weaknesses to give them a, a feeling of i am actually capable of of there there are things that i can handle whether it's arts or it's math or whatever to and, and that has been my, my in, in the 20 something years i worked in social work that is what i've been doing my best to do to to see okay okay do you, you say that you you can't you don't and you are you are dyslexic okay so you, you you have problems with with remembering how should words be made up okay well, what are your strengths like one one kid i was working with uh, in, in school, he 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 could not. He did not understand words. He could hardly. He couldn't read anything, or hardly anything. Uh, from speaking, but he could listen to a car, and he knew what sort of car it was. And not only that, he could diagnose. Okay, this this car has a problem with the carburetor. Uh, it's it's a 1963 model uh, Ford something. Uh, with 16, and, and then he went into these long discussions and uh, told me all about, you know, this This is what, what, and I was like, wow, you can hear that from from, from the, the road that's that's over there. You know, don't you understand how brilliant that is? It was like, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that might be a bit special. Uh, and I was like, no, it's not a bit special. This is so amazing. You, and and uh, recognize that it was an issue to him that he, he had problems with, with reading and writing. But then to, 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 to totally go in and say, that, wow, this is so great. I wish, I really wish I could have had some of your knowledge when it comes to, to cars because I, I just drive them. I don't understand anything on the range or anything. To, to truly cherish the because everybody's got it. 
uh, having worked with I've worked with people who are called disabled, uh, people who are paraplegic, uh, who are multi-handicapped, sitting in wheelchairs, being paraplegic or being spastic, and where there, there's no discernible sign of intelligence. But even those people, they have a spark, you know, when, when you connect with them, they have this spark that you can, wow, there, there is something in there. There is a human being and there's a human being with value. And to truly Absolutely. see that, see that, that is what we need more of. Yes. Well, I just want to pick on this because this yeah. is absolutely core cool to what we're talking about. Every, every, every baby, as they're born, they have natural gifts. They don't know it because when they're born, they don't have all the facility to talk and walk and, and that. And and if only parents, and if I'd understood that earlier, every child has natural gifts. And I work with my clients and say, what are your natural gifts? And you didn't learn them at school. But you didn't learn them from your parents. They were the things that you had that, that aren't teachable now. They're the natural gift of being um, more extrovert or introvert or being good at something. You know, what were the natural skills? My husband's a musician and he saw a piano when he was four and he knew how to play it. Mm. Not because he because he's very auditory and when he hit a, a note, he said, right, that's the same as that. So he started putting it together. I had a natural gift to to create um, shapes. I love geometry as it turned out, but it was a natural gift. And I think that if we, if we tap into the natural gifts of every human person and we allow them to accelerate those at school, we change the school system to adapt to that, we will change the trajectory of the world. And yes, girls might do something different to boys, but we would allow kids to actually blossom like you do a plant. So you seed a plant by watering it or putting it in the right place. So in our university with entrepreneurology, we say it's about knowledge, experience and imagination. So we do need some knowledge. I, I need to know that's a three and that's the five and that's the six. But my experience with math is what I'd use to apply it. And imagination is what creates everything that is creative in the world. Einstein said that imagination is more important than knowledge because knowledge is limited and imagination <laughs> is infinite. If we just put that into the education system, I believe we could change the way our kids express themselves and then they wouldn't get trapped into all this confusion bit when they're, when they're hitting puberty. It wouldn't be about changing their body structure. It would about being having excited conversations about crazy ideas. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Oh, I love it. We have to change we have to change the system to allow mm. the flowers to grow. Yeah. And and put the right soil down and the right conditions. I sometimes I think it's it's not a bug, it's a feature. You know, when you look at the Pavlovian style of teaching in the West, where you have an authoritarian figure stand up there and they're trained by bells and whistles and forced to ask for permission to go to the bathroom, like you are training the imagination right out of them. Like this person is, you know, disrupting class. Yeah, that's boring for them. Too, they don't need to be there, you know, but <laughs> it seems that on some level, we're training people to be obedient workers, like just smart enough to read all the directions, but not smart to start challenging things. You know, what do you think about that? Is that is like on some level, 
you know, is, isn't that the, 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 the movement of the Prussian school system to the West? I, I got to say something about this. I, I, yeah. I, I, I remember reading an article about uh, uh, the, the English Barbies. Uh, and, and there was <laughs> one thing that struck me was that they had this, they had to take a cognitive test, an IQ test. And if they scored above, I believe it was uh, 120 or something, then, then they couldn't, they weren't accepted. Because exactly what you say George it's, it's they, they were too 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 clever for for that role and and that's like so stupid hmm. I mean you you can I think it both it goes both ways I mean be I, I've been a member of Mensa for 30 years uh, so, so I met a lot of smart people many of them so much more smart than than I am uh, and and what I see is that they, they all need to find their place. If you if if you are not cognitively gifted, but you are a hard worker and you have a goal and this is oh I wanna do this, I wanna do this, then then you work hard and you get it. And I, I'm like I'm I'm um, the other way I, I pick up on things pretty easily. I'm not very fond of having to read eight hours a day to to get a PhD in in something. That that's not my way. But we are all different, and and truly to see that and to 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 let people like like you say, Pauline blossom. That, that oh, is yes. so necessary. It's oh we need it so so badly um, since i'm going to going to be in have to be in school in 20 minutes and, and that's when we start it's 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 so extremely clear to me that we we do have a major issue with with our schools and i, I see it even in the university college where i'm i'm studying uh, child welfare work it's you have to follow you have to write your papers using APA 7, and you have to always reference others. If you come up with, with some of your own ideas, wow, that, how do you reference yourself? Well, I'd, I'd like to explain why I on my screen it says PhD. It's most notice they are capital letters. This is not an <laughs> academic PhD. Okay. And this has... 50 years of experience, this is not new. My, my, the founder of our university is past now, my father-in-law, he was a genius and he was an entrepreneur before mm -hmm. entrepreneurs were really entrepreneurs and before he became anything academic. And he fought the academic system when he got in there and he said, you can't be academic about being an entrepreneur. It's about experience. And that's where the knowledge, experience and imagination came from. So it's a professional higher doctorate in all you do in your life that is is what you express creatively. Uh, so Richard Branson, Elon Musk, you know, um, <clears throat> Tom, you know, all sorts of people who have created huge industries of excited people. So all the small entrepreneurs, yes, but all the entrepreneurs who actually create job spaces, that's what we're looking for. And this is different to the corporations. Although you could say that um, Henry Ford was an, an original entrepreneurologist because he created something that wasn't there before. And mm. that's really what we want in the world. We want to think about the using our imagination. And then when it becomes very, very much something that we, we think is always going to be here, 
keeping it fresh, keeping it new, keeping it ideas, what's beyond, not doing it by road, not doing it right, but asking the right questions. And that's what mm. not everybody will be an entrepreneurial entrepreneur, but we need that fiery creative energy that persuaded Steve Jobs that he could create something that wasn't there. Mm. Um, that's the opportunity. And we, if we dumb down the kids, we're going to miss all those opportunities. And it's a foolish waste of of amazing natural gifts. Mm. I agree. (laughs) Did you did you say you had to go? Are you headed into class? Yeah, I I got a class to start a quarter past nine my time, so it's in twenty minutes. Uh, But but I can I want to stay here a bit longer. Yeah, (laughs) I wish I I didn't have to. it's, It's compulsory. Uh, class, so so I have to write a paper if I don't go, but but I can stay a bit longer. Um, I think it's because it, this is this is so important. This this conversation and it ties in with with UNESCO. They they recently right. received or released this uh, um, about a paper about uh, paper it's agreement about education. And one of the things that I really picked up on was was that. We should teach children to be critical, critical thinkers, to to yeah. truly help them shine their light. It's, it's, that's how I perceive a critical thinker. As someone who does just like what you said, Pauline, they ask questions. Mm. And, yes. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I'm a doctor of um, of divinity myself uh, in a American um, uh, online uh, church. Uh, called ULC, uh, and, and that was kind of one thing as I, I truly resonated with, with their message because they talk about the unity of all the different religions and faiths. What what are their what what is the foundation? And to me, it's it's all about love. That that is what I see in in all of the the different faith groups. And, but I also like the idea. Okay, I won't have a doctorate, so so I I, I got that uh, because we we are so easily swayed by titles. You know, it's yeah. and uh, or titles or designations or whatever. I'm a, I'm a doctor of medicine. Oh, so you gotta listen to me. And they, you can talk about things that aren't really related to your field at all, that you know nothing about, but you still talk with authority. Mm. I am a doctor of medicine or philosophy or whatnot. And I think we should see that we should listen to what people are saying and yes. go from there. That, that is, is there a foundation in their words? Does it resonate? Do you feel that this is authentic and genuine and comes from a good place do they want to they're talking about politics for instance do they want to change the world for something better or they are they in it for the money and the power and and everything that, that comes with it i think it's it's so so essential that we start to see the uniqueness in our yes. shared humanity and see everybody as something unique um, yeah. I I so agree, and and I think one of the 
simple ways to do this is whatever we listen to in a magical conversation that's without judgment, without anger and without caution, if we hear things that we actually don't necessarily resonate with, we can say, well, actually, that's a really interesting perspective. Hmm. It's a very simple way of acknowledging somebody. We don't have to say, well, I disagree with you, da, 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 da. Say, well, it's a really interesting perspective. It allows us to open up the possibilities. And hmm. that's what we need is we know to think about possibilities and opportunities. There's millions and millions of opportunities, but a lot of people feel that nothing is possible. That's when they go down the rabbit hole. And hmm. I want to open them up because everybody has natural gifts. and We have to honor that and, and allow people to be magically who they are. Hmm. Exactly. How does how does that move into peace? We we had spoken a little bit before our conversation about peace being possible. Now that's an interesting perspective. What what who wants to start up with that one? Hawk, you want to take this one? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I I spoke with a friend yesterday about that exactly that question. Uh, and what she said that uh, what came from that that talk that that was really because she started talking about how we we speak heart to heart, we resonate. Um, she she started with the peace within, yeah. and uh, and then I changed the perspective and I thought how how could let's say that I I was sitting in a talk with two enemies, uh, whatever they may be or. For instance, very something that's very in the media now. Uh, someone from Hamas and someone from Israel in leadership position. How could I make them talk together? And and I had to think of it a bit, and, and then I thought, okay, what I would do is I would ask them, do you have any songs that are common for you that you both like? And I'm sure I would find one that that would they would both really enjoy, whether it's new or whatever. Okay, then let's let's sing a bit or play. You can play an instrument if you play an instrument. You play an instrument. Start to to find a connection in something that's external, and move from there into see so that they can see that okay, we are both human beings. We are actually. Not only our roles as Hamas and an Israel friendly, whatever we we are human beings, and then move on from there. And as you say, also to to have a, a talk where after that say that okay, no, you get three minutes each. You get to say whatever you want in three minutes. And then mm. it's the other one's turn. You're not allowed to to stop them or to do anything. You have to listen, and then we can have. Then you can talk together, but we, you gotta have the open dialogue first. I think that would, yeah. yeah. I I would agree totally. It's finding that commonality, and I mean the the base commonality is we're both human beings, hmm. and you know if I stop breathing. I'll be dead, and if you stop breathing, you'll be dead. I mean, let's get down to some very simple things. Um, and I agree with you, Paul. You know, it's. I mean, there was a there was a march in uh, Jerusalem last week with 
uh, Jewish women and Palestinian women together. So the women mm. were coming together to say, we don't want this. It, mm. it's, it's how do we find the commonality? So can we can we find peace, which is no conflict? At the moment we've got conflict, there will never be peace. But we are actually all human beings living on the planet together. Mm. And it's really challenging that, as, as you say, and also at a very simple level. I mean, now we've got this ceasefire. It's like all the pictures yeah. we saw in World War One and Two, where they stopped for Christmas and held hands <laughs> and celebrated, and then they went back and shot each other. I'm going, that doesn't <laughs> doesn't make sense. But it's about our core belief, isn't it? Core belief and values. Hmm. And, and the more we can talk about, you know, a lot of people talk about love, but we need to share what does love mean. That's what I said to you guys. You know, what does peace actually mean? when you've had a traumatic life, you have to let go of that trauma and forgive the unforgivable. Because at the moment, there's lots of seemingly unforgivable acts going on. But if we have a core agreement that we do actually forgive the unforgivable, and this comes from work in indigenous tribes, um, there's a wonderful book called The Four Sacred Gifts, which talks about this. And forgiving the unforgivable is the starting point how we can move forward in the world but we've got to really mean it mm. and find out what is what is commonly held together and say so the baseline is that we're humans and we breathe the same air so we've got to be back to basics and then go forward to understand well that's an in well that's an interesting perspective it's not the same as mine but i honor your perspective how can we get these warring nations to understand that so for me it's really about why is there such a driver to control somebody else, to eliminate somebody else? Hmm. And that's really what needs tackling. I, I, I got, a, got a book out, um, and probably link it somewhere. Uh, I can find a link, link on mancient.one, I believe. Um, I, I was so, so pleased I got to use a, a short story by a guy called Andy Bear. Uh, called the egg, mm. and that is such a beautiful story where where it talks about we are all you, we are one, and and that is the whole concept of this the, his story that we are Hitler, we are Mother Teresa, we are all of the 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 characters uh, that occur in life. And, and to, to me, that, that says something about if, if you look at your, your enemy and, and you see that I could have been you, I could have been in your position if I'd grown up in Palestine or in Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever, then I could have been in your position and then see that our shared that experiences, they, they change us. And and some, you have, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Mm. It's like all in all in the context. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's it's it's really really necessary to to if you're able to, like what one one of my guidelines is is my understanding of Jesus, and and when when he talks about turning the other cheek, to to me it's it's about taking a pause, and seeing the other. And saying, "Okay, you can do whatever you want. 
I'm still strong mm. within myself. I agree. No, I got. I gotta go. I'm sorry. I don't want to go. I don't want to go to school. Well, we just have to have a revisit. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. A splendid conversation. I, on some level, I wonder though if is it isn't it easy for us? Like, if you see your wife and your children murdered in front of you, and you're starving, you know, and you see a group of people that have you've been told stories about for generations, like it's got to be. A whole other world in that aspect. That's got to be one of those cases where you'd have to be in that situation before you could really see if you stood up for those values, right? Like, I don't know what decision I would make if I was in that position. Like, if you saw your child die because of a roadside bomb or something like that, or picked off what, by a sniper, right? What, why don't you continue the conversation? I'll answer very briefly, and, and then you two continue, please. Okay. I want to see this also. Uh, I, I would have defended. I, I, I am a warrior. I, I am aware of my role. Sure. That, that is the role I've had, a warrior for children, a warrior for those who doesn't have a voice. So mm. I would gone in and defended my family or whatever person I needed to defend in an asymmetrical relationship. Sure. Uh, no, no doubt about it. And I would use, I've done that, I've been there, I've done it many times. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good at martial arts, uh, so so I know how to defend others and myself. And I got a huge dog who's uh, <laughs> trained in uh, as a bodyguard, so or got a lot of specialized training. I would use whatever I was necessary to defend those I define within my circle, and those are just about everybody who happens to be within my circle. So. That is my response. I gotta go. <laughs> thank you, you very much, Pauline. And thank you, George. I thank really you. appreciate the talk chance to talk and it's been so fun. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> thank you. Fantastic. Bye. God bless. Thank you. Pauline, do you still have some more time? Um I just was reflecting on on that last point, and then then yeah. we can close this. But I think, defending our own position and defending everything that we love, is important that we we protect. And if we have to use force, then it's. But that's different to going out and creating chaos. Mm. You know, when a war is um, started by an aggressive movement. That's different to defending and protecting what is ours. So a degree of strength and even, you know, physical violence when it's protecting what is precious to you, um, that is part of us being humans and being, as I say, protectors. I think that is okay. But what is challenging in the world is this aggressive process of taking over something else by force, and that's true of war, obviously, and rape, and domestic violence, and corporate violence. Any violence yeah. is taking something away from somebody else, uh, and that's different to protecting or, you know, doing something proactive to assure safety. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I, th I want to agree, but I think it's more complicated than that. Like, I, I think that people that go out and take from other people 
aren't there's clearly psychopaths out there, but I think that on some level, if you look at nationalism or, you know, tribalism, people find really extravagant reasons to take resources from other people. And they don't really label themselves as the aggressors. They see themselves like, here's a good example. If a firefighter fights fires and a crime fighter fights crime, what is a freedom fighter fight? You know, freedom, just a freedom fighter is someone on the opposite side of the border than you. But they, but to them, they're fighting for freedom the same way a terrorist is a terrorist. So, like, I, I, and propaganda is so good. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, it's difficult to, to drill down in what looks like, what looks like someone as the aggressor. Like, if you take the Israel Palestine, for example, it seems to me that. If you were to follow the Geneva Convention, then your attack of a person should be in proportion to that attack. It doesn't seem to me that one of the most well-financed and incredible armies in the world is taking on, you know, it's a real David Goliathan story, but it's it's flipped around in a sort of way right there. But that is me with a very surface knowledge of what happened. I don't thoroughly understand Sykes Pico and all these things that happened before. Like, I don't know that. So I'm sure it goes back. How many, how many Palestinian prisoners are there for these hostages over here? Like the story goes deep. And I, as much as I want to pontificate, I, I don't, I don't have all the facts, you know, I, I don't know. And I, I don't want to weasel out of it, but at the same time, I, I don't know. I'm qualified to talk about it. What do you think? Well, I, I agree. I, I, because I'm very, I'm very anti-violence, anti-war. Yeah, I don't understand too. why it even stopped. But it, it goes back, as you say, to control, you know, yeah. borders. Um, but could we have a borderless world? Probably not, because we need some kind of containers. Boundaries and borders are important. It's whether yeah. we impose them and restrict people. So when you look at immigration and the floods of change across the world, Maybe that's a necessary flow, but it's our activity when we're in situ in saying, well, this is mine and I'm going to defend it or I'm going to go and take that person's goods because I think I should have them. I mean, again, this all comes back to how do we live as human beings and can we understand harmony um, and then look at ownership, look at individual talents, who does what best. That's what I'm looking at. I don't understand the absolute use of violence to take somebody else's life for sure that's that seems so use i mean it's it's such a waste of life it's such a, a, a it goes against the fact that we are here to breathe you know once that life is gone it's gone forever so i i agree with you i don't really know what the the true facts are and the challenge we've got today is I don't know that we can ever really know what's really going on because we can't necessarily trust media and we can't trust the information sources. And we have to go back to core and think about how would we like this world to be? That's where I go to, um, you know, a world of harmony and love and ability to work together to solve the things that really need solving and creating, you know, stability and social justice but also creativity i mean everything is energy george so yeah at the end of the day how, how do we value that um but you know you and i we could go on talking forever but life has to go on so i think we should revisit this when it's back and i would love to do that 
I agree. I really appreciate your time and I really appreciate the articles you're writing. I, I enjoy reading them and I enjoy thinking and I really enjoyed the conversation today. Before I let you go though, where can people find you and what do you have coming up and what are you excited about? Um, well, they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm very much there. I, I do appear on Instagram and Facebook, but really LinkedIn is the best place. Um, my uh, Corporate Heart International is my corporate business and the International University of Entrepreneurology is our uh, go-to place with, if you're an entrepreneur to get your PhD, capital PhD. And my book, The Power of Authentic Harmony, is available on Amazon. And it will be out in French very shortly. I've got a French translation. I'm not a French speaker, but I'm assured that my translator is very good. Mm. Um, and in order to have harmony in the world, I want to have it in many languages. So it'll come out next year in Spanish and whatever language we need in the world. Um, but I'm very excited about the idea of really getting men and women together. So I have a world wisdom circle, which runs every second Wednesday of the month. I will send you the link, yeah. George, and expect you there. <laughs> and we discuss how do we stop what we don't want? How do we continue what we're doing well? And how do we start something totally different, which is a world of harmony. So that's what I'm excited about and really shifting and shaping the world for better. I love it. So ladies and gentlemen, check out the book, go down to the show notes, um, check out the links down there. And that's all we got for today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Pauline, hang on briefly afterwards. I'll speak to you real briefly afterwards, but to everyone listening and watching, thank you so much. I hope you have a beautiful day. That's all we got. Aloha. Thank you. Aloha everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision and I hope you all conquer it and I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better, your life will be better and you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.